We are turning our attention to the book of Colossians on Walk in Truth. So glad you're with us today. This book is really all about the preeminence of Jesus Christ, that he is God and the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We'll look at the hope laid up for you in heaven. And it's today on Walk in Truth. You're listening to the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Let's turn to the book of Colossians. Uh, Again, we are at Palm Sunday, but we are familiar with the story, and we just taught through the Gospel of Mark where we looked at Palm Sunday. And so we're gonna transition from the book of Titus to the book of Colossians. And that's where we're headed, and uh, hopefully you've had an opportunity to interact with the book of Colossians. It's one of the richest books in the New Testament, and the themes of the book are if you're a note taker, the supremacy and sufficiency of Christ. If you're a note taker, write that down. The grand themes of Colossians are the supremacy and the sufficiency of Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for your word as we now have an opportunity to turn to it and learn about the book of Colossians, one of the grand books of the New Testament. It really exalts Jesus Christ, I think like no other letter in the New Testament save the Gospel of John, which is a gospel, but we are so grateful, Lord, that it shows the exalted status of Christ. Lord, we know that many times uh, people attack who you are, they deny your deity or deny your sufficiency, but this book is gonna answer a lot of questions about that, and I believe it's gonna cause us, many of us, to soar to new heights in our view of Christ. And so, Lord, it is our prayer that you would add and take away from what I've prepared, that you'd show us glorious things from your word as we do a message called the hope laid up for us in heaven. Jesus, you are in heaven. You're at the right hand of the Father. And thank you that you ever live to intercede for your people. Thank you that you're the forerunner. You blaze the trail in your own blood. And thank you that that hope of your presence in heaven and your work in our lives today and the future to come is the anchor of our souls. As we talk about that hope this morning, may you bless the study of your word and may you bless us. Let us not just read the word, let it read us, Father. Let it read us. Let it be written deep in our hearts that we might act upon it for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, the book of Colossians, the hope laid up for you in heaven. This is the first message. And uh, as we look at the book of Colossians, Colossians is going to answer a lot of questions about the person of Christ. Colossians has been called the twin epistle to the Ephesians. When I say epistle, I just simply mean letter. And it has, some scholars say, as many as 78 verses in common with the book of Ephesians. So if you've enjoyed studying the book of Ephesians, which is a great book, you'll enjoy studying Colossians as well. The difference between Colossians and Ephesians, although called twin epistles, is the focus of the book. In Ephesians, the focus of the book is the church, the body of Christ, although Christ is also in the book. And in Colossians, the focus is the head of the body, Jesus Christ himself, his identity, his supremacy and sufficiency. What was happening in the ancient world is like what happens today. Jesus Christ and his person was being attacked. 
In much of the world, for the history of mankind, there's not been atheism dominating the landscape. Man has been very religious. In fact, the major religions of the world acknowledge a historical Jesus Christ. They don't deny his historicity. But what they deny is his claims that he's God, that he claims to be the singular way to the Father, that he's the creator, etc. And this is very important. The Gospel of John, Jesus himself said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish. So the Bible calls upon us to believe Christ for who he is. In John 8, 24, Jesus said to the religious leadership, unless you believe that I am, going back to Exodus three fourteen, and the voice of the burning bush, you will die in your sins. What you believe about Jesus Christ is extremely important. In fact, I would say, according to the New Testament documents, your soul is on the line what you believe about him. If you're wrong about Christ, you can be wrong enough to lose your soul. Now, what was happening in the ancient world is happening today. There is a demotion of Christ. There are many people who say Christ is not God and he's not the singular way to God, but Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one is coming to the Father except through me. These are very exclusive claims. These are very radical claims. And the question is, are they true claims? And that, I suppose, is what people are wrestling with all the time. Easter brings about its slew of articles, Time Magazine, the History Channel, all are commenting on the person of Christ. They're commenting on who they think he is, the historical Jesus. Are the manuscript documents actually accurate? Can they be trusted? Is there truly a heaven? Jesus said there's a heaven. He said, if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Jesus said, if it weren't true, if there wasn't a heaven, I would have told you. But there is a heaven, and it's impossible for God to lie. So we know there's a heaven, and we know there's a hell. The grand themes of this uh, New Testament document, as I mentioned, are all around Christ and his sufficiency. If you look at chapter 2, just as we do a little bit of an introduction before we get into the verses, look at verse 9. It says, in him, Colossians 2.9, in Christ is all the fullness of deity which dwells in bodily form, Colossians 2.10, and in him you, this applies to us as well, have been made complete. His sufficiency as God in human flesh makes you complete. You are complete in Christ. Do you feel incomplete? Well, it's the human dilemma. People are looking for peace everywhere. The book of Ecclesiastes talks about a search for peace and meaning in wine, women's song, building programs, intellect, the writing and reading of books, you name it. And Solomon said, life is vanity. If you're disconnected from God, and it makes sense, if you're disconnected from your creator, you're gonna experience futility. But in Christ, you are sufficient. You can have a full life when you meet your creator and come to know his redemption, which he paid at the cross. This has been called a prison epistle because Paul wrote this from his first Roman imprisonment. Paul was in prison at least twice that we know of. His first Roman imprisonment, he, certain, he seemed to have a certain amount of freedom. This is mentioned at, in Acts 28 at the end of the book of Acts. It says he was in a two-year imprisonment and he had, he, part of that time he was under house arrest. He had his own rented quarters and people were coming to him and those people were learning about Jesus Christ. During that two-year period of time, as Paul was in some form of Roman imprisonment, he wrote four letters. He wrote Ephesians, 
Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. Four letters in his first Roman imprisonment. In his second Roman imprisonment, as he's awaiting death under Caesar Nero, around uh, AD 68 is when he dies, he writes the book of 2 Timothy. So this is what's called his first Roman imprisonment. Four prison letters are written, and they are very well-known letters. And it, it amazes me that Paul could write Colossians from a prison experience about the exalted Christ, about the sufficiency of Jesus Christ even while he was in prison which just goes to show you that it doesn't really matter what your life circumstances are. In fact, sometimes we can see the exalted nature of Christ the most when we are at our lowest. Would you agree? Sometimes we go through trials and difficulties and those are the times when we find ourselves crying out to the true God and saying, God, if you're out there, if there is a true God out there, please save me, please show me who you are. And God answers prayers like that. He sometimes meets us in the most desperate moments of our lives. And here's Paul generating letters from a prison experience. We recently, uh, many of us watched the Insanity of God movie and it was really about a missionary couple that went all over the world and this, this man after doing missions and losing a son who got sick because of their work on the mission field and ended up going to heaven interviewed a bunch of people who were persecuted for the Christian faith and one man had been in prison for many years I think it was 16, 17 years just for his faith at one point they tried to act like they, they were torturing and killing his wife they brought a woman in they turned her face away he thought it was his wife and, and basically they tortured her and then they, they allowed him to, to hear her screams and then they dragged her lifeless body past his cell just to spite him, trying to break him. Every morning he would wake up and sing a love song to Jesus in the middle of the prison. The prisoners heard his song and many of them you know, were spewing hatred toward him and they, they didn't like this man, but every morning he would wake up and sing a love song to Jesus. And one day the guards came and they beat him and they said, we're gonna go hang you on the gallows below. And they dragged him out of the cell and they were taking him and the other prisoners saw what was happening and all the prisoners uh, stood up in their cells and they began to sing the song that he sang every morning simultaneously as one choir. And so overwhelmed the guards that they turned around and took the man and put him back in his cell. They didn't kill him that day. Where Christ is, there's always hope. You can live life with endless hope or you can end up with a hopeless end. And you get to choose that based upon what you do with the one who is our hope. Jesus Christ, the Bible says, is our hope. He has become my hope, and I pray that he is your hope as well. The author of the Colossian letter is the Apostle Paul, and he writes to the church located at Colossae. You might ask, where is Colossae, and what's the deal with this city? Well, Colossae was a, an ancient city in what's called a triad of cities around an area called the Lycus River. And the Lycus River Valley was well known at that time and there were a triad of cities. They actually formed somewhat of a triangle and the three cities were Laodicea, Heropolis, and Colossae. Scholars and historians say that the three cities were basically visible from uh, every direction. So one city could see the other. They were within eyeshot of each other. You had, you had Laodicea, you had Heropolis, and you had Colossae. Now in the book of Revelation in chapters two and three, seven churches are addressed, one of which is Laodicea. Laodicea was known as, do you remember Bible students? The lukewarm church. They're known as lukewarm Laodicea. 
And when Jesus addresses these churches in Revelation 2 and 3 through John, he addresses kind of the geography of the land and ties it to the behavior patterns of these churches. Now, Laodicea was lukewarm. They had to pipe in water through kind of a stone piping system. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. But first... What are you wrestling with in your life? In Ephesians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul says our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the powers, and against the spiritual forces of wickedness. It's no secret the Christian life is difficult, but you can take comfort in knowing you are not alone. In Pastor Michael Lance's book, Suit Up, he shows you a revealing look at God's armor and how the Lord will equip you to face the world. You'll learn about the nature of the battle, who the real enemy is, and God's provision to be victorious. Learn about how each piece equips you for spiritual battle when you get your copy of Suit Up today on walkintruth.com. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. In Revelation 2 and 3 through John, he addresses kind of the geography of the land and ties it to the behavior patterns of these churches. Now, Laodicea was lukewarm. They had to pipe in water through kind of a stone piping system. And by the time the water got to them, it was tepid. And Jesus said, you are neither hot nor cold. You're lukewarm, and I'm about to what? Spit you out of my mouth. It was a warning. I don't think it meant that the lukewarm Laodicean church was beyond repair, but I think it was a warning that Jesus was trying to, he said, I wish you were either hot or cold. Now, in the triad of cities, one of the cities about 12 miles to the north was Colossae. Colossae was at the base of Mount Cadmus, and Colossae was known for these cold waters that ran down through it. So when, I, when Jesus says, I wish that you were either cold or hot, he's probably referring to the cold waters of Colossae, cold, refreshing on a hot day. Heropolis was known for hot springs. There were these hot springs, people would come from all different regions, and they would come into these hot springs, and if you've ever been in a jacuzzi or hot springs, oh, ho, 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 you know how good it feels on your body. It can be very medicinal. Uh, you can sit in the jacuzzi with the jet hitting your bag, oh, yeah, right? Hot springs can be good. They're medicinal, cold water, refreshing. But Laodicea was lukewarm. And this, these were the three cities around there. And Colossae was also known for, there were these incrustations that came. There was chalky water. And sometimes they formed almost like stone uh, shrouds over certain er, uh, areas of the land. But it was known for wool. And there, there would be sheep and shepherds out there and pasture land. And there was a whole uh, thriving wool industry. And Paul writes to the church at Colossae. Colossae would now be located in the western part of Turkey. So Asia Minor, what we know and we hear about Asia Minor in the Bible was considered proconsular Asia Minor. You say, what does that mean? It means that that's what the Romans called the area. It's not the Asia that we know. Asia Minor was an area of now considered modern-day Turkey, and there was something like, you know, if you add in Colossae and other churches, there's something like 10 churches in this area. Those churches are not there anymore. But when they were addressed, they were obviously uh, vital churches of the day. 
Uh, Colossae was about 100 miles from Ephesus, and this is the church that Paul addresses. How was the church planted, you might ask? Well, it appears that as Paul did a three-year ministry in Ephesus, he was there, Acts chapter 19 records this, and he, he taught for uh, two years in the school of Tyrannus. So Paul was in Ephesus, he kind of set up shop, almost did like a miniature Bible college. People were getting saved, and they were being discipled in this Bible college. And as they went out from the school of Tyrannus having been taught by the Apostle Paul, they were going back to their home regions. A man named Epaphras went back to the area of Colossae, this is what we surmise from the evidence we have, and began to share the gospel with people. And it looks like he became the pastor of this church, his name is Epaphras. So Epaphras at some point goes to the Apostle Paul, probably a uh, uh, not probably, in his Roman imprisonment, and he begins to share information about how the Colossian church is doing. Warren Wiersbe writes of the Colossian church that all kinds of philosophies uh, mingled in this cosmopolitan area because there was an east-west trade route right where Colossae was. Religious hucksters abounded in the area. There was also a Jewish colony in Colossae, and there was a constant influx of new ideas and doctrines from the east. It was fertile ground for religious speculations and heresies. This uh, area was also known for major earthquakes. In fact, around the time that Paul wrote, around AD 60 or 61, there was a major earthquake in this area. Laodicea was able to rebuild without Roman help or money, but the area got devastated time and time again by earthquakes. One of the, the things that scholars will see as you read on, they'll say as uh, you read introductions about the Colossian letter is there was something called the Colossian heresy. And it had these weird combinations of Jewish mysticism and Greek philosophy and dualism and it came out in different teachings that they taught. Here's an example. They apparently were telling people you've got to be circumcised to be saved. Look at Colossians 2 verse 11. In him, in Christ, you were also circumcised, Colossians 2.11, with a circumcision made without hands, in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. This was a largely Gentile church, but as happened in the Galatian letter, there were Jewish Christians going in there, or apparently well-meaning, and they were saying you have to be circumcised to be saved, even as a Gentile. And Paul was saying, no, the circumcision that you experienced was a circumcision without hands. It was a spiritual one, not a physical one. We are the true circumcision who are circumcised and changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. You can read Philippians 3, 2, and 3. If you skip ahead for a second to verse 16, there are people judging one another, and it seems to have a Jewish bent to it. Uh, 2.16, therefore let no one act as your judge in regard to food or drink, Seem, seems to have a kosher aspect in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. There were people who were judging one another and apparently saying you can't be close to God unless you honor the festivals and unless you honor the new moons, unless you keep certain dietary laws. And Paul says don't let anybody judge you that way. If you're a Gentile believer, a non-Jewish believer, you, Christ is sufficient for you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Christ is sufficient, that his payment made in the cross has made you complete and full in Christ? That's what the Bible teaches, and that's what Paul was having to deal with as he addressed this Colossian heresy. 
another thing that they taught in this Colossian heresy is they began to demote Christ because they said uh, God, uh, they believed that this, this was a Greek thought and it came really all the way back from Socrates. They believed that all matter was evil. This, this was their conclusion. So they said that God could not have made the physical world because all matter is evil and God couldn't touch that stuff. So what they taught was a series of intermediaries between God and the last God. And what they called these is emanations from God. So they said there's the ultimate God out there somewhere and emanations that flow down from him, almost like a ladder of smaller gods. And the, so they said that the true God can't touch matter. Matter is evil. We'll get to that in a second. So there must be in between lesser gods that go down a list and they go down and they're so far away from God that finally one of those lesser gods made the world and everything in it. Well, Paul debunks that in Colossians 1.16. Take a look. It says, for by Christ, by him, Christ is the subject. How many things were created? All things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created by him and for him, and he is before all things. Here's his supremacy, one of the themes of the book. And in him, all things do what? Hold together. Not only did Jesus make the universe, he holds it together. And he holds me together. And all God's people said, oh, to be in Christ, to have his power manifest in a human life is one of the great privileges for humanity. And Jesus Christ is the creator. There's no series of emanations or lesser gods. There's only one true God. God says, I know of no other gods. There were no gods formed before me or after me. I am it. Cornered the market on deity, baby. I added the baby. That's the deal. This is Jesus Christ, creator and sustainer of the universe. And this Jesus is the one who became human and died on the cross. Look at chapter 1, verse 22. And he, Jesus, has now reconciled you, Christian, in his, what? Fleshly body. Now, there are... The Gnostics, this, this, this heresy, this Colossian heresy that scholars call it, took on forms of what's called Gnosticism. You say, what's Gnosticism, Pastor Michael? All these big words. The Gnostics come from a Greek word called gnosis or gnosis. And it simply means to know. They were the people in the know. So they had secret handshakes and passwords and even underpants. I'm not sure if that's true, but it's true of modern cults. You have to wear the right undergarments to be in the club. I'm not joking. And you have to know the passwords and the phrases and the way to climb the ladder to this God because you must achieve your way through all these lesser gods and intermediaries. But the Bible says through Paul, there is one God and one Mediator between man and God. There's not a series. There's not a ladder. There's one. One go-between. Aren't you glad? Praise God. And so, but the, the Colossian heresy said, oh no, matter's evil, so there can't be an incarnation. God could not have become human. In fact, we don't even believe God made the world. So they denied what we call the incarnation, that Jesus was incarnate. What's that mean? That he became flesh. And the Gnostics taught that Jesus was a phantom. 
He looked physical, but he really wasn't physical. He just appeared that way. And in the Gnostic romance books, they said when Jesus walked, he didn't leave footprints. He was just a phantom of some sort. That's a lie. He was born in Bethlehem, fully human, right? Perfect, but in a human body. That shows you that not all matter is evil. Jesus Christ is God and became flesh, God with us, amen? amen. So here's what Paul's dealing with, a heresy that denies uh, the incarnation and denies the, that God is the creator or that Jesus is the creator. They said all matter is evil. But remember when God made the world and everything in it, in the book of Genesis, what did he say? He made something and he said it is, what? He didn't say it's evil. He said what? It is good. It is good. It is good. The one time he said it's not good is it's not good for man to what? To be alone. But he said it's good. And Adam himself was made out of what? The dust of the ground, out of matter. And God breathed into Adam the breath of life. And Adam was a perfect being before the fall. Not all matter is evil. That's ridiculous. But some of the people in the church picking up Greek ideas from Greek philosophy and what's called Greek dualism began to deny the biblical accounts and the identity of Jesus. And this still happens today. People get an idea. They presuppose the idea. They, it's called a presuppositional viewpoint. They, they put it on the text and let it, instead of letting the text dictate what's true, they presuppose an idea and say, well, that doesn't square up with this. And they become the judge of the Bible rather than the word of God becoming the judge of all truth and ideas. Amen? Well, this is something that we all need to be very careful about. Not letting what we think is truth be elevated above what the Word of God says is truth. Well, I'm grateful to be able to spend this time together with you in the Word of God and the majestic book of Colossians. Man, what a, what a deep and rich book it is. And there's more to come. Hey, if you'd like to reach out to us, we'd like to hear your feedback on the program. If you have a prayer need, if you'd like to tell us how the program is being a blessing to you, you can find out the contact information, a way that you can uh, reach out to us by email by going to walkintruth.com, or you can find out the mailing address if you'd like to send a letter in the traditional way, also at the website walkintruth.com. Well, there's more to hear on this teaching called The Hope Laid Up for You in Heaven. I'll talk to you next time. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.